Mobility is no longer a buzzword or just the hottest new shiny thing. Today, mobility is mainstream and it's a business strategy that can't be overlooked any longer. The way we work has slowly but surely been shifting towards a more dynamic and fluid way of working. And the COVID-19 pandemic has undoubtedly accelerated the development of these trends significantly. This has had an impact on organizations as whole. But what does this mean for mobility? So to the viewers and listeners out there, welcome back to Inclusive Plug powered by Reconomy. This is episode 27. My name is Sabin, and we'll have a special conversation with Blair Tapeta, who is an international development professional with a focus on issues of youth employment, social inclusion, and migration. Regis Blanc, who is advisor on migration at the Swiss development organization Helvetas, and Uranik Begu, who is the executive director at Innovation Center Kosovo. Uh, when we say mobility, it's not only the physical movement of people, but also the future of work in terms of changing job profiles, regional skills standardization, freelancing, and the changing world of work. Nowadays, the world of work is becoming short-term contracts and people move from one profile to another. Uh, if we can start with you, Blerta, can you tell us how has the changing world of work affected mobility? Thank you, Sabin. Uh, thank you for having us on this topic as well. Uh, well, we have to say and admit that uh, the changing world of work is one of the defining features of uh, the society we're currently living in. Uh, and as we uh, all know, this is um, especially influenced by the technological advancements, uh, but it did see uh, further acceleration because of COVID-19. Uh, I do want to bring a personal example. I remember just before the pandemic, I had to travel um, on a Friday to get back to the office to, to do some work on my laptop uh, instead of continuing my long weekend uh, in the destination I was in, just because at the time in a context like Albania, where uh, I was based, um, just proposing, you know, to work remotely uh, was not a thing. Uh, so, while for some um, for some countries, uh, uh, working remotely uh, uh, has been an experience even before the pandemic, we have to mention that, especially for the less developed countries, this is a development, especially accelerated by the uh, the recent developments. Um, there is different ways in which uh, now people and especially young people are engaged in the economy. Uh, now, um, remote work means that you're not defined, um, that your work is not defined by a space uh, and sometimes not even by uh, predefined uh, schedules. Uh, and this could happen even when you're attached to a company organization or even when you're working as part of the so-called platform economy. Um, and mentioning the platform economy, uh, what we see nowadays is this shift, as you mentioned, to uh, freelancers, to uh, creators of context. Um, and uh, we have now um, a situation where the relations between the employee and uh, the employer 
um, are not the same. The dynamics have uh, have changed. Uh, we see more um, of a transactional type of relationship, and um, um, uh, we see that uh, now um, employees could be engaged in the economy also through short-term employment, through projects, um, through different assignments uh, in this. Uh, platform economy um, and what I what how this relates to uh, mobility is that you know uh, people getting a glimpse of what remote work looks like and what this independent uh, work looks like um, uh, people uh, have now um, uh, looking for jobs that give them more of a sense of uh, uh, fulfillment more of a sense of control over their schedules a bit of autonomy of work uh, so this has really uh, shifted how uh, the mentality, how people are uh, and employees in uh, particular are conceptualizing their relationship to um, what we define sometimes uh, eight to five uh, kind of jobs. Um, in addition, I'd like to mention that this um, shift in the platform economy uh, has provided for uh, some individuals an opportunity to enter into the world of work. Um, being now in an um, economy that is more uh, skills-based uh, rather than job-based, uh, it means that um, uh, some young people especially could enter the labor work even when they're honed into a particular skill, which could they could um, uh, learn and develop um, even beyond traditional education means, uh, but also through formal, non-formal uh, uh, training opportunities, with most of these opportunities uh, happening online. Um, I do want to make um, a small uh, note here, given that I, I did write a small piece uh, recently on uh, gender digital divide, but I don't want to talk particularly on that, I want to talk mostly on, on um, the digital divide in itself, that currently, uh, as we talk about this shift in the uh, world of work, we do have, uh, as of a statistic of 2020, uh, 3.7 billion people not having access uh, to the internet, with women being 23% um, um, more uh, inclined to be less connected uh, to the internet. So uh, we do need to have this consideration um, when we say that, yes, the world of work is changing. Uh, it offers many opportunities, uh, but we need to make sure that these opportunities are inclusive uh, and will benefit and will not leave uh, people behind. Thank you very much, Blerta. And actually, mobility definitely is much more than the new buzzword, right? So it's a fundamental shift in the way we work. Uranik? Thank you, Sabin. And um, a great pleasure being in this uh, in this panel with uh, experts and dis distinguished people. I love listening to Blerta, who's an expert on the field. From our perspective, I think our, our, uh, our role has been a bit more I would say active. We somehow at Innovation Center Kosovo we anticipated it. We encouraged this uh, this um, this world that somehow we live in today. In fact, in fact, um, as Kosovo remains one of the most isolated nations and youth uh, have uh, limitations to travel and access to markets, uh, remote work, uh, finding uh, creative ways of 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 
um, offering your services was not, uh, it was something we, we used to do even before COVID. So at Innovation Center Kosovo, um, working with freelancers, working with startups who were offering services um, abroad as export services was something that we, we really anticipated and that we actually encouraged because uh, we believe that this would be uh, the face of the economy, which would make Kosovo co competitive. Uh, obviously, all of this accelerated with COVID and even more so with the war in Russia and, I mean, uh, with, uh, with, in, with the war in Ukraine. Uh, and basically, uh, we're seeing a higher demand for services globally now, and this is making uh, people more, um, more, let's say, uh, eager to learn about these opportunities. So we're seeing that our training departments are uh, are high on demand, and all of these jobs and are easily converted or, or skills are easily converted into, I would say, initially short-term uh, contracts, as Berta said, uh, and you rightfully pointed out, but um, a way to penetrate this this new economy, I would say. Which uh, obviously has many uncertainties, but it's it's a it looks like like it's a one way uh, path. Um, there are many components that would help this, um, particularly this region, I would say, and I think this is a good momentum we have in place, given all of the circumstances that we I already mentioned, but also uh, anticipating some of the trends globally. Um, I think this is one of the lifetime chances we have as a region to be competitive with the rest of the world, uh, particularly coming out of a transitional economies with not so many, uh, let's say, uh, well-established businesses, probably the latest, uh, the, the, the longest, the one in, in the region has 30 years, I would say, a strong. So this is a new economy, I think, where we, 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 we can all go equal. And um, as they say, some of the future jobs have not been created yet. So um, focusing ourselves on this knowledge-based economy and utilizing the effects that are uh, taking place right now and the circumstances that affect mobility, I think it's a good momentum. And um, obviously we need to do our, our work. Uh, I was happy to listen yesterday that Kosovo, for example, uh, has reached 100% internet penetration in the country, becoming one of the first countries that has this internet penetration. But as I said to one of the media, the difference between 95 and 100 is very little compared to what we do with it. So the big question is, what do we do with this internet penetration and what does it serve? It's uh, quite the some news, actually. Yeah, beyond uh, consuming it and 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 staying on TikTok and and Snapchat and other things, so it's a good momentum, and I'm glad we're having this discussion. And uh, again, internet penetration, the ability, the mobility, or the ability to to offer your services remotely, and and other elements are just, I would say, some preconditions of of uh, of what would be a great potential for us to develop and have sustainable economies, and at the main objective I think we as a center have is keep our youth in the country while offering them uh, a global perspective. And, and the lines between work and home are no longer clear-cut and companies are quickly adopting more mobile-friendly remote, remote work policies every day, right? So being able to customize your day based on professional and personal needs is not only a necessity but is also the way of the future. So simply showing up at an office 
is not a standalone measure of career success anymore. So what are some of the trends we see rising nowadays in terms of people's mobility? If I may continue with you, Oranik. Again, this is something we, we again, we, we, we saw even before. It was never for us. I mean, Innovation Center, I've been here for 10 years. So it's something that for us, it was, it's, it's like the normal. This new normal was our normal for, for many years. Um, and, and obviously it's becoming normal now, even in the government, which is super uh, strict and traditional and donor agencies and, and the rest, obviously. Uh, with a growing demand for people, talent, services, uh, and with many young people in the region leaving, uh, obviously, uh, I think also the employers who were very strict and traditional and tough and did not have the, uh, the flexibility or neither the sensitivity to understand uh, their asset, uh, uh, the biggest asset, their employees, uh, I think it's changing. Uh, it's changing at all levels. And I'm, I'm talking uh, from restaurant owners to manufacturing to everyone. I think there comes a time where now we appreciate the uh, employees a bit more. And it's a good thing. Obviously, it came out of necessity, but it, and it's long overdue, but it, it's making us rethink, not just, let's say, the, the mobility part, but the overall uh, way we uh, we we communicate with with our uh, employees, which in often cases now are becoming our partners, uh, and this is this is something great. Uh, uh, work and life balance, I think, is a key uh, component in all of this, and I'm, we're seeing at least in the urban areas this is a very uh, important com uh, component. And obviously, there are now ways due to technology that we can measure success, we can set targets, we can follow up, there can be transparent, uh, objective evaluation of, of, of employees, targets, uh, reached, and so on and so on, which are not necessarily limited to a shared desk office or physical presence. And this is the beauty of it, obviously. For some people, it's a bit more difficult to make the transition. For some, it's much easier. Uh, uh, but uh, as as I think we're seeing a, a new generation of young people joining uh, the labor force, basically there's no way back. Uh, this is what they want. They want the flexibility. They want uh, they want to be transparent. They want to know their objectives, uh, their bonuses, their uh, their extra targets, whatever comes with it. Uh, so they can they can uh, they can work and and reach on their own. And for me, it's again as I mentioned, this is something normal, um, we, which we 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 also at Innovation Center Kosovo encouraged. Um, and hopefully, uh, companies will manage to to reform themselves and adopt new methodologies of of of, of this sort of communication, but also empowering their employees and future partners. Thank you, Oranik. And Pierta, what do you think? What are some of the trends we see? Uh, yeah, I want to pick up where uh, with what Oranik said, that there's no way back. There's no turning back. Remote work is here to stay. Uh, and uh, the faster you know, companies realize uh, and are on board with this, the better it will be uh, for their uh, sustainability in the market, uh, but also for the overall economy. Um, so the idea is that um, now with the with the changing world of work, with the uh, new economies that are emerging, there is this need for uh, reskilling, upskilling. But uh, before jumping into that, I want to say that this is um, this is a need 
uh, that needs to be both sided. So it's not just the uh, employees that need to reskill and upskill, um, but it's also the companies in themselves. And at companies, um, there are some of these competences and some of these um, skills that Uranik mentioned, uh, like leadership skills, ability to uh, retain uh, talent, um, the ability to have good communication. Uh, you know, uh, globally, we've seen um, this uh, type of trends like, and we're gonna can speak more to this, you know, like massive layovers, layovers especially in tech companies. Uh, we were, um, uh, we were acquainted and uh, we were thrown this uh, term as well as uh, uh, quiet quitting. So there is also, uh, there is so many um, phenomena that are um, impacting the world of work and that um, employees find themselves into. Um, working in this hybrid remote environment uh, gives employees this leverage you know they've now understood that they could have more of this work life balance uh, and they require more of it um, so uh, companies need to be able to offer uh, such opportunities uh, in the company i'm currently in i see um, uh, i'm based in the us and um the company has not only my company but most of the companies have entirely embraced this hybrid mode of uh, working with um, most of the time working remotely. And the ways that they try to engage with employees uh, is uh, through having collaboration days, which are entirely focused on uh, team building activities, on understanding more on the needs of the staff and how these needs could be met. Um, and here, uh, I want to also mention that uh, when we talk about mobility in this sense, we talk about internal and external mobility. Internal in the sense that uh, employer, employees want to see uh, a clear growth path within their companies. Uh, they want to see that they can uh, grow, they can move up the ladder. And when they don't see this happening, there is this tendency that uh, they want to do more of an ex external mobility, you know, and this coupled with the um, opportunities that now employees have to work remotely, not only for organizations in their own country, but also uh, for international uh, companies uh, based elsewhere, um, gives them uh, more uh, chances at this external mobility as well. And I want to mention one last thing, uh, seeing that, uh, for example, Albania as well is experiencing um, a lot of um, physical and non-physical mobility when it comes to um, where they are um, employed. Um, I do believe that um, even though, for example, a big number of um, young people, especially in the tech industry, could be working remotely for companies uh, outside of their countries, there's still um, building this massive pool of skills that uh, if we work properly could be used to the benefit of the country where they reside or where they could potentially return if they've already uh, migrated. So now let's also talk about mobility, right? In terms of the physical movement of people. What makes people in the Western Balkans and Eastern Europe move to the core of the European Union, Regis? Thank you, Sabine, and thanks for the very interesting introduction to the topic. 
Um, I think we all know that the political situation in the region was the key factor in the 90s, but at the present time, uh, the main driver of, of emigration or migration from this region, but also Eastern Europe, is definitely now social and economic inequality and also the demand for labor in uh, EU countries. And so people are, are leaving their homelands in search of better opportunities and more Let's say specifically, experts also highlight more structural challenges, such as the underperformance of uh, the educational systems in the region, which do not respond to the needs of the markets. For example, uh, graduates struggle with economic uh, opportunities due to skill mismatch and uh, also Iranic and Blerta know better than me, but private sector enterprise also complains about the shortage of skills workforce and so on. And we also say that the lack of investment in innovation, in research, in science and so on also leads to weak attractiveness for an increasingly skilled use. While most of immigrants are young and relatively uh, skilled. So I think uh, this is basically the, the main drivers for emigration at the moment, I would say. Yeah, thank you, Regis. And as regions experiencing high emigration and strongly relying on resources provided by their diaspora, countries in the Western Balkans and Eastern Europe do not escape this phenomenon, right? So it is now widely recognized that migrants and diasporas have a core role to play to contribute to development in their countries of origin. What is less clear, however, is how to concretely promote their contributions to development. Can you tell us what are some real examples of initiatives engaging diaspora as development actors? What are the lessons learned? Thank you, Sabine. Uh, very good question, but also very complex question to give you uh, a short answer and, uh, and actually, as part of the reconomy um, program and design phase, we've been thinking a lot about this whole, let's say, issue, but this question in, in particular. And we conducted a mission last year, and we met, uh, by the way, ICK and Uranic. Um, and I think we this is still very difficult to have a clear-cut answer. Uh, more seriously, I think the key words are having conducive environment, of course, in a mutual trust between diaspora communities and country of origin. I think this is the main challenge. And uh, the only uh, possible way is a small steps approach with, which foster the sustainability of the action, but of course takes time to really uh, consider diaspora needs and expectation. And I think this is also one of the, the main pending challenge. And in terms of learning, um, yeah, I would mention that initiatives working at local level, of course, seems to have provided quite successful results and also significant uh, systemic impact. It may be explained by the, the fact that local investment opportunities avoid a certain kind of bureaucracy and also certain ethnic polarization at the national level. And, the, and there is also often a higher trust in local communities by diaspora members. And I can also mention, and I think, by the way, Uranic also mentioned during our mission, uh, this is instrumental to promote the 
a business perspective and focus on the profile and the expertise of their diaspora member rather than relying let's say exclusively on the emotional perspective and uh, focusing on the nationality or the origin and i think this is one of the the key findings we we gather we we had during this mission and it was shared by many entrepreneur or startup or responsible and so on this is very important to to focus on this business perspective and and go out from this emotional dimension even if we cannot totally neglect it of course and i i would also had it's a bit common sense but worse to be always worse to be reminded that bottom up approaches seems much more successful than top down approaches with huge investment and often short term investment at institutional and policy level where the issue of sustainability is a real real challenge so yeah in a nutshell sorry for for the, for my answer but there is no uh, miracle formula but as all development initiative it takes time a lot of time to build relationship to to build a mutual trust and mutual uh, benefit and sustainability i would say thank you regis and based on your experience is it do you think the diaspora as development actors are difficult to capture kind of or uh yeah yeah i think there is still this untapped potential and i think this is not necessarily bad thing because they do not have the the duty to to develop or to invest i think this is a kind of myth that uh, international international cooperation develop so yeah they are not cash co as we say and if a country of origin want to better tap or to better leverage the diaspora potential and this is related to what i say just uh, just before uh they have to build this conducive environment and mutual trust and promote this mutual benefit and that's it and um, unfortunately for a busy person uh, i think it takes a lot of time to 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 create these conditions thank you very much regis and more and more people in the western balkans and eastern europe are taking vocational skills training to then migrate to the core of the european union they were able to use these skills they gained in their country of origin in another country in the west so what does this mean in terms of mobility Blirta, if i can start with you yes sure um so um yeah i want to agree with uh, most of like with what reggie said about this um, new wave of migration that the western balkan countries and especially albania uh, which i can take talk more of is experiencing which is not uh, related you know it's, it's not similar um in terms of reasons behind it to the uh, wave that we have seen in the early 90s and um this is fairly the impact also of this uh, changing world of work because currently if we see the demographics of people living while well, we have um all sorts of uh, people leaving the country we do have a tendency of uh, young people who are uh, high skilled uh, they could be currently employed in their country and they could be fairly well off and they're still choosing to leave the country um so this this shows that um, um, this um, correlation between development and migration is not so linear. Uh, rather, uh, there is some uh, big social transformations that uh, this 
people and young people in particular are being part of, including changing world of work, uh, including this um, increase in uh, transnational ties with more and more of what we mentioned, uh, diaspora communities being now um, settled, well settled worldwide. Uh, we have this growing pull factors from developing countries. Um, and uh, what is also uh, new is this increased capability of individuals to now openly express uh, themselves and act on their uh, aspirations. So, um, with this, what I want to say is, it is uh, that it's very important for uh, policymakers, development work uh, that uh, works to tackle these waves of migration to consider that this happens um, um, in the midst of this social transformation, and it's not an isolated phenomena. Um, now, this discussion of people getting skills uh, in their countries and then moving especially to more uh, developed countries is, um, is a big discussion. We always end up having it at some point, uh, but um, I think there's so many facets to it. And I uh, touched upon this um, a bit earlier. Um, uh, I think that uh, this um, the skill development of young people uh, and then them migrating, being equipped with these skills um, is very positive for uh, their development uh, in uh, in itself. So they're not having um, a rough start. They're not migrating as they would migrate in the early 90s, uh, sometimes with uh, very low skills, with no information or knowledge to the markets that they were uh, going to. So this gives them um, a good start into the um, countries where they are uh, aiming to build a life or uh, get experience in return, uh, uh, depending on uh, each individual. Uh, so um, what I want to say and what I want to emphasize is that when we discuss migration and when we discuss um, uh, these investments in the skills development, um, we shouldn't leave behind the agency of the migrant themselves who has uh, aspirations, has dreams, has the right to, um, uh, to develop their skills, to uh, to have a higher income, to, to learn better and more advanced skills than what their context could offer and so on. Um, what remains with the policymakers, with the governments uh, and uh, other actors is to find ways um, into uh, making this uh, skill development be beneficial for both um, uh, the origin and destination countries. Uh, and for example, um, there is this, um, um, policy level suggestion uh, that I've uh, read uh, at one of the recent studies of the European Training Foundation, where uh, one of the way um, they uh, suggest tackling this is um, for the um, development world and developed countries to invest in uh, skills development in a less developed country beyond uh, the numbers uh, that could be needed to feed this um, external need, you know, for uh, so that even young people or other people that are uh, remaining behind or that are remaining in their countries of origin, they could still have um, advanced skills to serve, uh, to serve their countries as well. Thank you very much, Brevta. Uranik? Yeah, I, I, I think 
Uh, everything was covered, uh, both uh, by Blair and Regis. Uh, I, I would just say that the solution, at least softening this, this phenomena, it's uh, offering us opportunities for entrepreneurs. And I think we're missing that component. Um, that is valid for <clears throat> any diaspora community members, but also for the locals. Uh, frankly, if we talk about the entrepreneurial ecosystem, we should be the core of economic development, hence uh, other aspects um, related to, to that in society. Uh, we feel like we're missing a lot of incentives and instruments that would have this and uh, would improve our entrepreneur, entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, and the fact that I mentioned briefly um, uh, before that um, what we're being exposed right now through this new opportunities and the mobility and remote work is the brain drain, the virtual brain drain. So many of the young people that are working right now for big corporates and even small companies uh, abroad are basically um, are basically solving problems for other people, but not for the place where they live. So having so many problems uh, in our region and countries alone, um, we always advocated that portion of our budget should go to creating solutions which will improve our standard of living through technology, through digital uh, tools, and so on and so on. So we have to do a lot of work back home. And unfortunately, I'm not the one who always likes to complain about the government, but really, it's a time that they shift through this new mindset. And the same way we utilize some of the people and talent or others utilize our talent locally, we can do the same thing because it's the world we live in. We are not isolated. We're not in the bubble. Uh, so if we if we put clear objectives on how to improve this society, how to improve citizens for, sit, uh, for uh, citizens, be it a public, medical, justice, inclusion, any other uh, subjects that we want to tar uh, target and, and really bring solutions to it, I think we have the opportunity to do it. And not just based on our local expertise, but we can really utilize the whole uh, talent that is out there in order to, to solve some of our press pressing issues. And as long as we don't address this and, and we don't create an entrepreneurial culture, uh, I think the gap between um, those that want to live here and those that want to go will be very big. Uh, people will leave, as you mentioned, not only for economic reasons and political, uh, as it was before, but just simply because um, they want to. They, they 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 need better better services as as uh, as people. Simple as that. So, thank you very much, Uranik. Uh, Regis, what do you think? Um. No, I like this, this question because it's very related to the first topic about evolution of work. I mean, in terms of solution, if I use the, the, the term uh, used by Uranic. But yeah, for me, on the, on the, on the paper, all these labor um, migration mobility patterns are great. Free movement of people and so on, very great on many aspects, as mentioned by Blurtown. Uh, human social aspects, political aspects, uh, since this is also the original idea of the EU, uh, economical aspect, of course, but it also, uh, let's say, brings its own set of challenges, uh, as we sp speak a lot in the Balkans about uh, brain drain, uh, depopu uh, depopulation in countries of destination. We speak about integration, uh, social cohesion, 
uh, as foreign uh, workforce is often seen as a kind of competitors in, in the domestic workforce, which is, by the way, often not the reality since they don't necessarily work in the same sector. But anyway, this is another discussion. And, um, and I think this is very important to to have the broad picture in mind about opportunities and challenges. And I think this is very important to have regulated and also holistic models to, in order to promote this win-win situation, which is a kind of ideal, but uh, we can we can still uh, aim to, 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 let's say, foster or promote this ideal for, for all parts. And I think regulated models should also promote uh, circular uh, mobility, which give also the opportunity uh, of temporary and usually repetitive movement of migrant workers between home and host areas. And um, and just to make the link with the, 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 your first question about the evolution of work, I think this is also um, very important, very important to tap into to leverage the opportunities related to the evolution of work. Uh, these whole trends, uh, for example, the remote work, um, nomad work, and so on. And I think this is definitely a, a way forward for not necessarily resolving, but at least addressing to a certain extent these uh, whole challenges related to brain drain, the population, and so on. And of course, in country of destination, integra uh, better integration, uh, integration scheme, and so on, of course. Mobility is definitely much more than the new buzzword. It's a fundamental shift in the way we work. To the viewers and listeners out there, we have interesting topics coming up, so stay tuned. And don't forget to subscribe on the Reconomy website.